0: Hello, this is Time Personified. This is a podcast about astrology and spirituality and other things as well. And I am the host, Francesca Mamlin, and welcome to Cancer Season. I am pretty happy to be here, here with you guys, and also here In the first days of Cancer season, the first days of summer, I love summertime. I hope you had a wonderful summer solstice, or Letha, or if you're in the southern hemisphere, I hope you are enjoying uh, the winter solstice and the winter season. Gemini season was pretty wild. We had eclipses, we had a Mercury retrograde, we had the second of three Saturn-Uranus squares that are happening this year, and I certainly had a pretty wild month. I moved to Miami, Florida. This is my home now. (laughs) The eclipses took me on a pretty crazy ride, but they did bring me to my home, and I am grateful for that. And now it is cancer season, and July is just around the corner, And the planets certainly have a lot more (laughs) that they need to say and do this summer. Um, July is going to be a pretty active month from an astrological perspective. Mars and Venus are certainly the planets to be watching during the month of July. They're going to be moving through Leo for most of the month until uh, July 22nd. Venus moves into Virgo, and then on July 29th, Mars will move into Virgo, uh, but as they move into Leo, as they move through Leo this month, they are activating the Saturn and Uranus energy that is working with the signs Taurus and Aquarius. Uranus is in Taurus, and Saturn is in Aquarius, and these Saturn-Uranus squares are really the main events of 2021, and... We've just had two of the three squares. These are moments of tension between the very practical and authority-based Saturnian, Saturn, and Aquarius energy. And then we've got this revolutionary, um, eccentric, and freedom-based, freedom-loving Uranus energy. And they just come into these... They're, ha- they're basically having an argument this year, um, and there's this, like, balance between restriction and release, control and release, control and freedom, authority and freedom, and it's uh, pretty exhausting, <laughs> to be honest, um, and Mars and Venus are coming in from a different angle, and they're activating this conversation, and... I'm really feeling that July is a month to integrate, uh, maybe even to heal and to close some cycles. Um, Mars and Venus are going to be going conjunct uh, this month on July 13th and uh, in the sign of Leo. And they go conjunct pretty much every two years. So this is closing a two year cycle. If you wanna think back to August of 2019, whatever began during that time may be coming to a close now, uh, making time for a new beginning. And we have a new moon in Cancer. I believe last year, the only, the last year, this time last year, we experienced the very last Cancer solar eclipse. And now we have this new moon that's, it feels like, it feels like a, a new beginning in the Cancer energy as well. So, whatever uh, house that uh, Cancer rules in your birth chart, pay attention to how that house has transformed over the last year and a half or so. And uh, the Cancer new moon on July 10th might be a time to bring a new beginning um, with the strong foundation from all of the growth that you experienced for when the eclipses were happening in Cancer and Capricorn during 2019 and and, um, part of 2020. So yeah, lots of astrology, lots of active and kind of tense energy. Um, This is, I really feel like this is a month to process, to integrate, um, and to really allow yourself to feel your emotions. Cancer is your emotions, your emotional experience. And the invitation is to nurture yourself. And I'd like to offer you, uh, as we step into the month of July, a conversation, an interview that I recorded with Sophia Hawley at the beginning of Gemini season. Um, So we, you know, we recorded it a while ago. um, And then I started the process of moving to a new city. And I'm finally getting around to actually releasing this episode Um, I guess the episode wanted to come out in the early days of cancer season Um, and you know this message uh, hopefully is finding the collective in a time where it can be really helpful and valuable and if you're listening like not in real time like months or years in the future I hope this conversation finds you in a time where it can support you in healing and integration with your nervous system. So a little bit about Sophia. Sophia Holly has been practicing yoga for over 15 years. It has assisted her with recovery from disordered eating and continues to support her to manage her busy lifestyle. She is an e 500-hour registered yoga instructor with specializations in teaching trauma-informed yoga through trainings with Halakuri of Collective Resilience Yoga and Tara Tonini, formerly of Exhale to Inhale. And Exhale to Inhale is a nonprofit that Sophia works with and we will discuss a lot of its mission and work during the interview. Uh, Sophia began teaching classes with Exhale to Inhale in 2017 after joining as program manager uh, in 2018. She now serves as both the trainer and program manager. Sophia has taught yoga in shelters, elementary schools, and middle schools privately and in yoga studio settings. Her overall mission is to help people connect to their bodies and access the limitless wisdom within. And I wanted to have Sophia on. I was, um, it was actually a while that I was looking for a trauma-informed person to interview on the show because we just, uh, we just experienced a collective trauma and we're still kind of experiencing a collective trauma. And I feel like the world and most of the people in it certainly are in need of healing and processing right now. So I hope that you find some guidance and some value through what Sophia has to share. And I hope that you don't hear this plane that's flying over my head right now. Um, But uh, I hope you have a beautiful cancer season. And I will talk to you again in the next episode. I'm just going to pass you on to the interview and I hope you enjoy.
1: Hi, Francesca. Nice
0: to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's like, you know, I work work nine to five on, actually I work eight to five on these days, so I'm kind of excited for my last hour of work to be not staring, you know, not doing something super, like it just feels, I like talking, so it feels good.
0: Yeah, I'm the same. I love talking to. Are you an air sign by by any chance?
1: I'm actually a Pisces, so I'm I'm yeah, and Pisces and Capricorn Moon. Okay, cool,
0: cool, awesome. Yeah, I'm an air sign, and so like I live for conversation. So, what's your sign? I'm an Aquarius, and I have a Cancer Moon and a Capricorn Rising. So Ah, we have the Capricorn in common. What's your Rising sign? Um,
1: you know what? That's, that's a good question. I know you're really big into astrology because I was, I was looking, looking a little bit about the work you do. I have okay. this, um, I'm like trying to pull up my co-star app so I can okay. tell you specifically. <laughs> I forget. I think it might be, um, I don't know. Do you have a guess? Are you intuitive? No. Well, what time were you born? I was born at like one night- Oh, so I'm Sagittarius rising. okay 143 a.m does that okay
0: yeah so your sun is is at the bottom of your chart which i would have guessed either sagittarius or capricorn based off of that because the rising sign is determined by your hour of birth and your location so oh
1: okay
0: cool cool yeah yeah Yeah. it's cool oh cool well that's so beautiful that you're a pisces and that makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, so I I think pretty much every sign has the capacity to be a healer, but there's, uh, I think the Virgo Pisces polarity has this like affinity towards healing. Um, So it makes, it definitely makes a lot of sense that you're a Pisces. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And being a Capricorn moon too, um, that's an interesting dynamic because sometimes Capricorn moons can struggle with having a connection to their emotions but Pisces is deeply connected to their emotions sometimes they can drown in their emotions so that's an interesting dynamic to live with (laughs) yeah
1: yeah I like to think the Capricorn kind of like gives me like an earthy grounding Mm -hmm. vibe but I might be making that up I don't know I I
0: don't think you are making that up (laughs) I think any earth in your chart has that gift it brings that gift of grounding you and making you and that's like a part of you that's more practical Mm -hmm. um and the shadow of it is that you can get too rooted in reality and the water and the air and the fire can help you be more imaginative
1: Mm -hmm. so that's very cool. Oh, well we could talk about this for hours probably too, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, this is this podcast is actually about astrology, but it's also I about know. like everything else, so like it can it can like weave into the conversation. Um, I love
1: that. Yeah, that's so, yeah.
0: Very cool. And we're we're already recording. I usually just start the show like I whenever I kind of feel <laughs> um so yeah, I'd love to kind of dive into the conversation ah. uh and learn about you and about your work. And, um, I usually like to start by just asking, like, what's currently lighting you up in your life and in your world? Like what's something that you're just excited and happy about right now?
1: Wow. That's such a great question. Um, you know, I guess I, I, I have to say I am, it's such a hard question, right? Cause there's so much not lighting me up and I think not lighting the world up. So mm-hmm. it's like to switch that perspective is like, I, I find sometimes challenging, but useful. Um, you know, the earlier days, the sun rising early, I I run in the morning. And when I left at 5.55, it was like warm and bright. And I'm in my shorts and my t-shirt just like running down the road. And it's just, it was just a game, it's a game changer, you know? So I, I always love, I always forget about this transition when it's like a long winter, especially with COVID just being so long. And so the sunlight, I'm like, yes, we could do this, summer's coming. Um, and then I also have a close friend getting um, getting married uh, in just a couple of weeks. And also with everything being canceled the past year, year plus, it feels like something super exciting to look forward to. So that's kind of, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, I feel that. Yeah, the, the transition to spring after going through COVID and winter at the same time. I was in Ohio. I'm in Florida now, but I was in Ohio during the winter. Um, so yeah, I'm totally with you on like, seeing spring begin to emerge and then people are getting married and like events are moving forward it's it is definitely a huge like uplifting sigh of relief for me to kind of see those things happening yeah
1: yeah, yeah absolutely oh cool you're in Florida so it's nice and warm and hot
0: <laughs> oh yeah I warm, think the winter in Florida prompted the move um yeah. I relocated to Florida recently so uh,
1: okay okay yeah. cool cool
0: yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I'd love to start out by we're going to talk a little bit about where we're going to talk a lot about a nonprofit that you're involved in, Exhale to Inhale. But I would really love to kind of start out by hearing about your journey with yoga and the role it plays in your life and the story behind all of that.
1: Yeah, again, another great question. (laughs) I'll say that every time. Um, You know, my story is not super unique. I think it's one that a lot of people, um, maybe with similar backgrounds to me, or maybe not can can potentially relate to. But I actually started practicing yoga when I was quite young. So I was always on the cross country team, like from the time I was 11, up until well, now I'm not on a team, but still kind of I run with people in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, but (laughs) I guess we're a team. Um, And I remember just hearing about yoga. It was cool. I saw this like, um, article about it. My dad did yoga in the sixties and seventies when it was like coming to America and becoming trendy, you know, all these things that are like cool, but also maybe a little bit problematic as we really look into it. But, um, but I knew that yoga was like good for stretching and for bodies. And I was. and I kind of brought in my friend's mom to teach the the, the track and cross country team yoga, <laughs> which looking at it then, I'm like, wow, it was really like a leader right off the bat. But um, so that's when I started pra- practicing just little bits. I would do like five, 10 minute videos. Um, I'm not sure if my, my timeline's a little bit um, confused right now, but um, I started practicing Rodney yoga videos because my mom had a bunch of these like Um, DVDs at the house and, and cassettes, even not cassettes. What are they called? Um, VHSs. And (laughs) yeah. And so it was just kind of like a sideline for me um, just as something that was honestly good for stretching the body and seemed cool. I have to be completely honest. Um, And of course it evolved. I kept practicing and I did struggle for most of my adult life and some of my childhood with an eating disorder. And so for a while, yoga was another thing that I fit into my fitness routine, right? It was like, well, I saw like an article where um, Madonna was doing yoga and she had really strong, like fit looking arms. So I was like, cool. Okay. Yoga is going to be added to like, the running yoga, eating this, the eating that. And so that's really what hooked me into doing yoga every day, which it kind of stinks like that, that had to get there, but also it, it, Transformed my my life, and so, flash forward to um, the time when I moved to Brooklyn, which was just about eight years ago. I, I so I live in Brooklyn now, and um, I continued to have an eating disorder. I continued to practice all kinds of fitness and movement in ways that were sometimes okay, sometimes a little bit off balance, and and yoga kind of continued to yoga sort of slowly shifted away from that. So yoga became like my space where I wasn't that and where I could sort of escape because I had really great teachers who weren't necessarily super focused on the poses and were a little bit more gentle and softer and people I looked up to. I, I, I um finally had an experience where I realized like what yoga was about beyond the physical. And it, it took us, it took so many years for my brain to be like, Oh my gosh. And, um, and yeah, so I did a teacher training. I wasn't sure if I wanted to teach super full time, but I started to teach and I just really loved it. And, and then went into teaching folks with with eating disorders like I had, Um, and that felt really meaningful and kind of slowly, I think we'll, we'll probably talk about more specifics as we move on with this interview, but um, kind of brought me to to what my teaching looks like now, which is, um, has also evolved.
0: That's a beautiful story because um, I think it's a a kind of common thing for people to be attracted to yoga through like it's super trendy and maybe they're coming to it with a little bit more of like a uh, perfectionist like I want my body to do these like crazy things and but yoga is so deeply rooted in like love of the body and acceptance of the body. And so I love hearing your story because um, it kind of shows that how yoga kind of comes into the Western world and attracts a certain kind of person mm-hmm. and then helps that person heal. So I don't know if that's something that you experienced through being a yoga teacher, if you see a lot of similar stories as you, but um, it, it, that's kind of similar to my story too. I used to be a a dancer and I did yoga as a dancer, but now yoga is kind of like a part of just like a a self love practice for me, um, so that's beautiful. Yeah, thanks for for sharing your story there. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, and so you work for you work with uh, a nonprofit called Exhale to Inhale. So, do you want to tell us uh, more about uh, that and what the mission of Exhale to Inhale is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Exhale to Inhale is a nonprofit and we've been around for almost eight years now offering yoga to survivors, offering trauma informed yoga to survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. And so we offer um, a specific methodology that's supportive to folks on their healing journey. And with that in mind, our our mission is to be part of a team that empowers survivors. And and offers them a space where they can heal at their own pace. And we um, partner with organizations all around New York City and the five boroughs. And then also lately have expanded even across the country because of COVID. We're now all online. So um, that's kind of our 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 small our small um, bite-sized mission statement.
0: (laughs) That's beautiful. And yeah, what it's you know COVID was it's horrible, like it's horrible that we had to live through a pandemic. But I think it's beautiful that it did bring a lot of organizations online that were doing really great work, like in their local communities, but now the whole world gets to experience it. So that's good that it offered that opportunity for your nonprofit. Um, I'm curious about, uh, could you talk some more about how yoga can actually help uh, trauma survivors yeah
1: absolutely yeah and I like to say help because you know when folks are healing there's always like so many factors that go into that healing which is beautiful and I think like kind of like how I described in my story like yoga can be this kind of underlying anchor of support that not only happens on a mat or in a chair or sitting on the subway but um also can um yeah that can also be brought into into kind of daily life but um Yeah. So, you know, it's like always hard to, you know, we have an hour, we don't have like our whole 16 hour training for me to share, but, um, with survivors of trauma and, and we specifically focus on domestic violence and sexual assault, but the things I'm speaking about can transcend into other things that people are experiencing either one time or on a day-to-day basis. But, um, we're looking at folks who have had an experience or experiences, that um, overwhelm their capacity to cope. That's one definition of trauma we hear from. Um, I think it's Peter Levine and many other really amazing people that um, yoga overwhelms our capacity to cope. And so, uh, you. I just said yoga overwhelms our. Yeah. Capacity. Trauma, trauma. <laughs> overwhelms our capacity to cope, and yoga can help increase our capacity to cope. So to put it into like really simple terms, because who- folks might not have done a ton of yoga who are listening, like. Um, When we are experiencing something that's overwhelming, we can potentially move away from our body and into our mind or into even like an imaginary scenario that's not happening, for example, like um, maybe there was something, for example, and I'll use a silly example, um, well, it's actually a true example. I I'll use a true, but not super intense example of me walking a dog once and almost getting hit by a bike. I didn't, but it was so close. And I had the do- the little cute little dog I was walking and it was really, really scary. Right. And um, in that moment I, and, and, and so I'm thinking I'm like still sort of afraid of bikes. I've been noting this a lot lately. I see a bike like five feet away and I'm like, I kind of, peel back and I remember this moment and so I'm like working on healing it and and you know when the bike is like five feet away I am totally safe so I can put into practices that I use in yoga of like okay can I feel my feet on the floor can I feel my heart beating my breath like kind of in a way like self-soothing that that I that I am okay so that's a small example but um this can transcend into things happening with folks on a regular basis or memories people are having from the past where we're moving from, um, we're not moving from, because we're humans, we're gonna be in the future, we're gonna be in the past, we're designed that way, but having the ability to find a sense of presence. Um, one of my past teachers always said, the present moment is the healing moment. And I think yoga, right? It really helps bring us there in a, in a and especially in the trauma-informed way, in a way that's safe, and supportive and slow and not like, go, 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 or like put your foot behind your head, right? It's a little more gentle. So I'll pause there in case you have any follow-up questions because I I could easily just keep going and going.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's such a beautiful way to explain it uh, because I think especially in like Western culture, like this capitalist, industrialist productivity culture we live in, it's so difficult to stay grounded in the present moment. And that's really where, like, as you said, where all of the healing energy and all of the opportunity really is. Um, So I think it's beautifully put that like, that's kind of what yoga, the first function of yoga is to do is to bring us into that present moment. Most of the conversations that I've been having on my podcast over the past couple of months have been around like, processing this pandemic that we've been moving through and starting to sort of heal the nervous system after having gone through this like big collective trauma. So I would really love to hear any reflections that you have on how we can as individuals in a collective go about that process, like as someone who is trauma informed and does this for your work. I know that's a really big question.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I'll, I want to start off by kind of going back a little bit to this kind of whole present moment healing moment. I don't want that to feel like it's something that's like bypassing because also the present moment can be a really terrible moment right for folks who are going through a lot or have lost a loved one or are experiencing like the effects of systemic racism like it's not i don't want to be like oh the present moment it's healing it's like well actually it often really sucks but more thinking of it in the frame of like, where's my body right here right now, which leads me to the next question. But this is a great question. It's funny when I was like kind of looking over the questions, I was like, can I phone a friend? Can I bring in a friend for this one? Cause I, <laughs> but, but no, I think, you know, it's so, it's so hard. We lost so many people this year. We continue to lose people. We're still really in the pandemic. You know, there's vaccine vaccinations happening, but, not everyone have access to them or want them, and we still don't know that much, you know, about their effectiveness necessarily. Um, I'm personally vaccinated and, and super grateful for it, but it's not just like now is it's like we've been experiencing, yeah, this this year of collective trauma and it and it does still continue. And I think for some of us there's a little hope. Um, and I think that hope can be one thing that we can sort of hold on to because that can be healing. But um, in terms of like looking at yoga as a practice to support. Um, you know, one thing we, we say a lot in exhale to inhale, and this just kind of evolved from the years and years of conversations and, and being with students is that less is more and slow is fast. And I think this really applies here because just it is, less is more and slow can be really useful. And that doesn't mean we're always, cause also like going out for a fast jog, if you have anxiety can also be useful, right? Um, I think one piece of advice that I give myself all the time um, is to meet myself where I'm at. So at the start of the pandemic, I couldn't meditate. I could not sit down and meditate. And um, luckily, I have really fantastic teachers and supports and like therapy and things like that, where I, I was learning that maybe that's okay, right? So maybe I, right now, meditation is not my practice, maybe walking around the neighborhood is my practice, right? Or maybe getting up early, having my coffee and turning my phone off for five minutes is my practice. So not having this whole carefully perfect executed plan for healing and just really focusing on like, what do, what does Sophia need right now? Or what does Sophia want right now? Right? Maybe it's a cookie, you know, just really thinking like, as we talk about this in like the field of, trauma healing, where if someone's coming to you and they're super anxious and 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 high strong, you're not just gonna be like, relax, everything's fine. Cause we're not there, right? There, there needs to be some space for settling and sometimes to settle, we might need to like wave our hands around, right? Um, or we might need to do jumping jacks and then slowly t- take it from there. So I guess in short, my answer in short is to really, um, Meet ourselves where at, where we're at, and let go of some of the like um, maybe overarching goals or um, strives for perfection. Mm-hmm.
0: That's beautiful advice. And then also going back to the reflection you gave on how like sometimes the present moment sucks. <laughs> if you look at like the different components of it, like we're living through a pandemic, and there's systemic racism, and there's a lot of things going on in the world that are in the present moment and aren't great. Um, So I love how you kind of clarified like the present moment is, and correct me if I understood this wrong, it's like you are sitting in the space that you're sitting in and you're with the people that you're with and that is the present moment. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, and it can be, we do um, thinking about like our five senses as a way to come to the present moment. So it can be like listening to sounds or sense of touch like my hands on my my cotton shirt or um a smell of hopefully something delicious cooking like whatever it is you know so those ways of just because those are where yeah it might not be like oh I'm healed now cool I'm gonna go off and like take on the world but um we're then more able to perhaps handle life's challenges make the phone call that was hard or um yeah, you know, what whatever it is that that's that's challenging. And then more and more that we do that moment to moment, the more that we're able to move through life, which is inevitably going to be full of challenges.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to go back to what you were saying about like meeting yourself where you're at in terms of um coping with uh after having lived through a year of of COVID, kind of coping with where we are right now. Um for some people who might struggle to sort of figure out where they are and what their needs are, do you have like prompts that you give or like tips that you give for people to identify what their needs might be if they happen to be like someone who's kind of detached from what their body and their and their soul needs in the moment?
1: That's such a great question because that's, you know, one thing about the work we do with with exhale to inhale is that when folks are experiencing a lot, maybe have symptoms of trauma, um, often are really disconnected from the body. So we don't use phrases like, listen to your body, because it's like, well, what? Like, my body wants to like punch the friend I'm mad at or something. Not re- That's not something I experienced, but <laughs> my friends are in the other room, no. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and so so that's our, I'm, I'm so happy you asked that question. Um, I guess if I'm relating it to like the yoga, trauma-informed yoga of teaching, we're not necessarily offering like specific advice, but offering various um, moments to, to practice listening to the body or to practice learning what the body might need. So sometimes if, if I'm saying like, notice your feet on the floor and the texture of your feet on the floor um, or the texture of your sticky mat or, or the floor or the socks in your on your feet then that even just that sense for some folks can be a challenge, but it happens and it connects the brain to the body. So then slowly over time, we're able to then start to realize, oh, maybe I need a breath right now, or maybe I'm hungry or, you know, whatever it is. So I think yoga is like in a little way, a way to get to know yourself better. Another example is just offering um, some options in a practice. So for example, if we're offering like even just um, if folks know what, what um, tree pose is, right? Where one foot's on the floor, the other foot is in, in a balance on the, the inner leg somewhere. And sometimes you can hold on to a wall and feel that support. And other times you can take your hands away from the wall and reach the arms up. And you might notice, oh, wow, I'm like wobbling a lot. I think I'm gonna try the wall. Oh, the wall helps. And then um, that's my experience. <laughs> but then you're able to kind of create those pathways of like in that one moment you listen to your needs and you got curious and then potentially when you move forward with whatever you're doing in your life that might then then translate right is that yeah is yeah so it's yeah well, yoga can yoga's so like this more than three thousand year old beautiful I think of it as, a, as an art form um from India is so wonderful and beautiful and like sort of speaks for itself, right? So in those moments, I think if you're guided in a way that's as safe as possible can be, can bring you back to that potential of being able to even understand what your needs are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what you said about offering options, like that is something that I have always loved about yoga because with every pose or, or flow that, if you're dealing with a really good yoga teacher, they're going to be like, okay, so this, these are a few different ways that you can approach it. So if you have certain different needs in your body, then, um, so I think that is a really good piece of advice that you can take from yoga to like apply to your life is giving yourself a menu of options, even with like work, like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to, get some tasks done today I can do this one or I can do this one so like which one's it going to be which one feels like less resistance um and I think for me like my personal experience like living through my experience of COVID and like continuing to try to be like a productive healthy person I think for me like laying out the options and finding the one like is it less resistance for me to clean my room Or is it less resistance for me to like start this one little simple task at work? And, um, that's really helped me a lot. So I I definitely appreciate that reflection that you offered there. Yeah. awesome. So, yeah, so we've, we've had a lot of reflections on, you know, connecting to the present moment, um, and how yoga can help us with that. And so I'd love to touch on the other aspect of yoga, which is the fact that it's, um, introducing movement into your body. And so can you talk about how movement can help heal trauma?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, trauma, by definition, is an experience that we have in the body. Um, And so, right, we might have had a traumatic experience or a series of of even daily traumatic experiences, and that then um, lives in the body. So there's so many examples i could give um i mean one example might be if someone is having an experience where they're maybe needing to be a little closed off and like set a boundary maybe there was something that happened to them and then they have kind of this like forward movement with their shoulders maybe they're a little bit crouched down and the heart is like a little bit more closed um then that that a symptom that would be kind of in a way like a way that the the body um stores trauma um, for a lot of us it can it, it can be different from person to person of course. we're all different and unique and then we're also very similar in a way too. And so in a small way, right yoga can help us slowly open up parts of the body that might have um, been affected or 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 yeah exp- experiencing experience that trauma in the body because um, trauma 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 <laughs> trauma is somatic, right? It's like all about what's happening here. Um, but one thing, you know, one one kind of more specific example I'll give is that there's this these um, YouTube video that you can find of an, of an opossum who, when they are um, being chased or hunted down by a predator, they would go into what we call a freeze response, which is something that humans have as well. Um, so we have fight, flight, or freeze. And freeze is when there's the energy to Uh, flee, but for safety reasons, we can't flee. So we play dead, right? When I say we, I'm pretending I'm a possum, but possums play dead. (laughs) And so if you look at a video of a a possum, they um, freeze. And then when they're finally safe, they start to shake and discharge. So they start to actually physically (laughs) and is the video being recorded? Are people going to see me? Cause I'm just cracking myself up. I don't often use the video, but I do like that little, (laughs) (laughs) doing this like little dance, but, um, and so that's like the, the movement in a way, discharging that, that trauma, discharging all the energy of that fearful incident, but we don't really get to do that as humans. It's not socially acceptable. I'll go back to the, the bicycle incident. Um, I remember like, initially starting to like cry after because I was mostly scared because I was caretaking for this little dog right so Mm -hmm. anyways it was very scary like the guy like almost fell off the bike I was like oh and then this lady I think trying to be supportive it's okay you know she was like you're fine stop crying you're fine you know very kind of intense and I was like okay and I remember just feeling like in that moment um looking back at it sort of like Clenched up right in a way of like, actually, I just needed to cry for like maybe one minute and then move on with my day. Right. And so I think of now when I see a bike and I'm like, maybe I need to cry next time I see a bike, but yoga can help us start to kind of discharge some of that energy that was stored, um, that was stored from an event or a series of events. And, um, you know, something that sometimes happens to students, myself included, is if you're in like a shape where your legs are working really hard, some folks start to feel like the shaking happening. And sometimes it's a little scary, but that can be just a sense of like release the body's releasing, um, releasing that stored energy.
0: Yeah. And when we get into the topic of emotional release, I think that The bike story uh, where, you know, the bystander was her first instinct was to be like, oh, you're fine. Like, don't cry. I think that really illustrates uh, a common thing in uh, Western cultures. I don't really know about Eastern cultures. I think it also exists in Eastern cultures um, where emotional release, like, makes us uncomfortable. You know, like... I'll be the first person to admit, like, I'm really comfortable crying, but I am extremely uncomfortable crying in front of another person. Right. Um, and I, I think it's so common for people to be like, if they witness somebody processing their emotions in that way, uh, whether it's crying or shaking or something like the first thing you try to do is like, okay, how do I get this behavior to stop when the reality is that person needs to like release that energy? Um so yeah. do you want to talk? I think it would be I, I i kind of feel like asking, like, do you have any tips for like how we can move through our own lives, being a little bit more emotionally informed as a trauma informed professional? Like, really? how do you what's the appropriate response that we can give to ourselves and to others in contexts where emotional release is taking place?
1: yeah yeah you know it's interesting because yeah these emotions are natural and we need them and they're healing and then sometimes an immediately immediate sort of emotional response can actually be well so we have like we have our like primal instincts and this might be if a bear chases us we're gonna run right and then later we're gonna maybe cry or maybe we're gonna cry and run and right and we're scared and so that's our emotion and then um and so sometimes they that's what we need, right? We need to run, we need to cry, we need to process, we need to release. And then other times we need to kind of turn on our rational mind and like have that support of like, you know what, I am okay right now. Um, but in, in terms of this, of like a process of like, yeah, you were just hit by a biker, um, gosh, it's so tricky because you, like you mentioned, it's, um, it's not socially acceptable, right? If someone's crying in public, it's like, ooh, what's going on? Um, or people like even look at us funny or if someone's like singing in public or just like, you know, dancing in the park freely, like we're like weird, but we're like, I'm like, is it weird? Are humans and the way that we've like created the society actually weird? Oh, sorry, I'm going off <laughs> a little tangent. But, um, you know, I would say, I think it all comes back to awareness. Um, of, yeah, because if you're, if you're aware of, you're starting to become aware of your body and what's happening, and that's a new thing, then probably other emotions are going to come that's associated with that, that body awareness. And so to be slow and gentle and not force anything, I think is super important. So you were saying, you know, you're, you're okay with crying like by yourself. I totally relate to that. But then if you, if something happened and you were crying and public that would not be okay to to you like it would feel uncomfortable and so not to ever have a thing where it's like oh well I need to cry right now and force yourself to cry because just the awareness of that can potentially be transformative like the next time that maybe you're with a therapist or a friend and you cry you might like have a little bit more of an ability to sort of let your let yourself go there um you know another another um sort of emotion, not sort of emotion, emotion is anger, right? And that's one that's not always socially acceptable, especially for women, and especially, I think, um, women of color, right? Because it's like, oh, you're angry, like, what's happening? And so um, that's just one that comes to my mind a lot, (laughs) of how can we honor that that's an emotion, and then that there's a need to productively, we can use anger in a productive way, but then we can also um, use it in a way that might then end up harming us, right? Like if if we're if we're too much in a certain situation where it's not safe to be. So, yeah, I just think slow, mindful. I mean, if you have the access to like have a, a qualified therapist or someone who does have more of a mental health background, I, I know that's not accessible to everyone, but there are some resources there um, where that can be supported. Even like you know if you're feeling like alone, like there's so many great helplines even that folks can call that are free. Um, yeah, because emotions are so powerful, and they can absolutely make change. Um, but I think awareness of those emotions. I have heard someone say like control of the emotions. I'm like, eh, it was a man, right? A man, control. Yes. I'm like, I don't know if that's all right. That's not the right word, right? We're just aware, and and maybe, you know, any action you do, not any action, but mo- a lot of our actions come from emotion, right? So, mm-hmm. answer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think it really, it sounds like what you're saying is, like, it comes down to context and then just being gentle and compassionate with yourself. Uh, so, yeah. like, recognizing this might not be the best setting to cry or to experience this release. So, like, maybe I take myself to into a safe situation or maybe I just recognize the context of the situation and cope with it the best that I can. Um and yeah we can't really control our emotions but our i think like the awareness of the emotions um helps our emotions to not control us and not to like take us into directions that we don't really intend to go to Um, yeah so Yeah. yeah. yeah yeah that was a beautiful answer and i think there is a lot of like little tidbits of wisdom in all of that um and so talking more about like your specific work with exhale to inhale, would you like to talk about some of the specific programs or classes or offerings that exhale to inhale has?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, we are, we are pretty grateful that although it was, a a, a, it's a tough year for any nonprofit and anyone in general, as, as, as we all know. And, um, with that, we were able to, um, offer a lot over this year so we had like last year our first virtual gala and we transitioned everything online so some really cool benefits of that are that um so we offered uh 60 anywhere from four to 16 hour teacher trainings and those teacher trainings are for yoga teachers who want to be trauma informed but also any mental health professional is welcome to join and we usually have a handful of mental health professionals that join in our trainings and Um, You know, one thing that's cool that we've seen in our trainings is that folks have come from outside of um, New York who have said, oh, we don't have anything like this. And where I live in in the UK or um, even in Canada, we've had some folks come in and someone recently from South Africa, which is so cool. And so that's been a really cool, awesome thing. So we have awesome trainings, but we also are offering public classes right now. So um, we got a lot of feedback that folks are really busy. And it's, it's I like, remember I said, it was hard for me to meditate. Like it's, things just feel harder now. So we're offering these 30 minute um, donation optional yoga classes, um, uh, Eastern standard time from 12 to 1230 every Tuesday until July 25th. And so um, I was just talking with my colleagues about how cool it is that we are able to have some some support to be able to just offer these free. And some folks donate, some don't, but the point is that anyone can join and you know you're gonna show up with a teacher that's trauma informed and you can have your camera on or off and you practice a little yoga, right? You just get curious with your body and and practice for 30 minutes. Um, And so that's something super exciting that we're we're offering. yeah, and we we do offer partner classes as well. So we've worked with um, right now we have thirty two partners we're working with in real time. But over the year we had forty um, over two thousand twenty. And so partners are like domestic violence shelters, other nonprofits where folks who are receiving services from there, as well as the staff members, um, because they're experiencing you know trauma in their jobs, um, they can they can have these classes accessible as well. And that's really kind of the, the 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 rock of our program is offering these these partner classes to folks who aren't going to pop into a yoga studio necessarily or um to be able to cater certain practices to certain organization based on based on what the 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 clients need.
0: Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. You have so yeah. many offerings. I think that. An organization like this is so important because I think we're entering a, a period in human history where we're starting to, like, gain an awareness of, like, oh, like, trauma is a thing and it, like, rewires your nervous system. Oh, but you can heal that and, you know, that you can live a better life um, without having these patterns controlling you. So I think um, it's a really great thing that um, exhale inhale exists and I love the name of it too by the way. I'm releasing this um interview during Gemini season and Gemini is connected to the lungs. So I I love the idea of like the release so that you can like inhale the new in. Um so yeah. yeah. You can correct me if I'm wrong about like my perception of the name, uh, but I love uh, the organization just seems so beautiful. And I'm looking forward to following your work.
1: Awesome, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, you are right. I mean, the Zoila Page is a founder um, and and she, um, I think I, I, I'm probably not saying exactly, but talks about it as being able to release and let go to then be able to take in in more. And um, there's also this concept in, in yoga, I've heard through just kind of some, some translations of philosophy of root to rise, so being able to like root really settle and um, and arrive where you are to then be able to expand. And I think of exhale to inhale like that too. So perfect for Gemini season. That's so cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it just I these interviews always just end up like falling exactly where they're supposed to go. You know, that's what happens, and I'm sure you experience that too. Like if you do like work that is a little bit more spiritual. Um, it just requires that you kind of like follow it where it wants to go. And that's definitely been my experience with the podcast. Um, is there any work that you do, um, as an individual yoga teacher that you want to talk about or share
1: at all? Yeah, well, I also teach some, um, classes, um, at two studios in Brooklyn. One's called Third Root Community Health Center and another one is called Shambhala Yoga and Dance Center. And so I teach at both of those places on, online right now, but I'm, I'm transitioning to some some classes in person and also will be a little bit in the park this summer. So um, I'm happy to share you know, my Instagram as well as exhale to inhales if anyone's curious but uh yeah I'm also you know a lot of the trauma-informed practices inform my teaching um and and I do also train I'm a trainer with exhale to inhale too and I get to teach classes with them as well and then also have my Sophia Holly side classes I teach a lot of gentle and restorative because I I honestly just love teaching that I love offering a place for people to have a space to rest if they need it
0: yeah, I love restorative yoga. It's probably one of my favorite kinds of yoga. Um, so yeah, I'll link exhale to inhale stuff and I'll also link your stuff in the show notes. If I don't have it from the form that you sent me, then I'll make sure to reach out to you later to get it. Um, okay. because I definitely want to follow your stuff too. And I'm so happy that we got this chance to sit down and share your work with the listeners. And um, yeah, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, doing all of your really meaningful work to come and have this conversation with me. It was so yeah. beautiful.
1: Such a pleasure. And thanks for creating this space and the, and the work that you do. I did just follow you, I think, right before this. So you might see me there.
0: <laughs> oh, awesome. It's funny. I started, I I like sometimes delete the Instagram app off of my phone completely. Mm-hmm. And I just redownloaded it. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm back on for now so <laughs> perfect timing
1: <laughs> yeah I love it. Oh, cool <laughs> yeah and thank you so much i appreciate that you know having this space to come share about the, the work we do and just in general um support folks in their their healing journeys
0: yeah it was it was such a fun conversation and i look forward to sharing it with everybody and i hope you have a really great rest of your day